So, sisters and brothers, uh, my grandparents, I can remember them telling me that when they were younger, they didn't have a lot of stuff. That it, it wasn't like it is today when, you know, we've got so much stuff, right? We've got, we've got drawers full of stuff and closets full of stuff and garages full of stuff and storage units full of stuff. I can hear my grandparents tell me it didn't used to always be like that. So it always had me wonder, well... If when they were small, people didn't have a lot of stuff, what about you know, a generation or two before them? How much stuff did they have? Right? If my grandparents didn't have a lot, surely the generation before them didn't have a lot. And then it makes you think, well, let's go back and back and back. Let's go back 2,000 years. How much stuff could people 2,000 years really have had? As far as I can tell, there aren't a whole lot of three-bedroom, two-bathroom houses in Jesus' day. There aren't broom closets, there aren't shoe closets, there aren't home offices. As a matter of fact, one of the churches we served, uh, they had uh, built, uh, constructed the building that they were in, I think in 1960, seems like. And they had a, the newspaper, it was a big deal when the church opened, they had the newspaper that day when it opened. And I'll never forget, one of the lines I saw in, in, the, in the advertisement of it is that they, one of their drawing points was that the church, this new church, had indoor restrooms. So, you know, it's like, if, if, if this is all, if, if there's more of this room and more of this stuff, so new, seemingly, what does Jesus mean when he's talking to a bunch of people about having too much stuff 2,000 years ago? I, I have a hard time imagining Jesus talking to this, these people, at least compared to our standards, who have no ability to have a lot of stuff. But it seems like there, there is some line, no matter what time period you live in, some line of what is too much to have, and that that line has been around for a long time. So let's remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. What do you think Jesus would tell us today? about our full closet. Do you ever go to your closet? Now, I'm not saying who would do this. You know, your closet is it's full of clothes and full of shoes, and you say, I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> Guys, that's what we say, right? Or, or you go through all the drawers, and you can't find the one thing you're looking for. Why? Because you've got a thousand drawers that are full of stuff. What would Jesus tell us today about an abundance of possessions, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's funny how we get this parable from Jesus today. That's what Jesus does. He tells us a parable because the reason why he tells the parable is it's so us. It is so us. Jesus had been teaching a crowd, and one of the things that he taught the crowd was to never fear what anybody can do to you because of me. To not fear. All they can do is take your life. Don't fear those people Fear God who gives life. And then he would go on to say that your life is valuable to God, that you are more valuable than any amount of sparrows, that even the hairs of your head are all counted by God. Praise God. See, what Jesus was saying beforehand is that you mean something to God. Your life is important to God. You're not just going through your days without any point. Who you are, what you do has value to God. What a blessing it is to know. 
I think more of us need to know that. I think more of us need to know that our lives are valuable to God. And I feel like if I was there in that crowd and I have Jesus, the Lord of life, saying to me that you know, my, my life is valuable, that my life means something, that, that, that God even counts the number of hairs on my head, which is easier to do for some people than other people, but that's something else. I feel like if I was in that crowd, I'd be like, praise God, praise God. But maybe is because Jesus used the word counted or used the word valuable that got somebody else in the crowd thinking. Because Jesus finishes and he has something powerful to say about the Holy Spirit. And just then, you can, you can almost hear it yourself. Some man raises his voice and says, yeah, Jesus, but I got money problems. Huh. You know, I don't know if you know this, we learned can you guess what the number one thing that couples say they fight about the most? Money. But you know, we've also learned something else. That it's never really the money that's the issue. There's always something deeper. And so I think we need to realize that we don't have money problems. We have heart And maybe we have relationship problems. And I say that because if you look at what Jesus does, the man's problem that he had, his money problem, was that he had probably an older brother who had control of the family inheritance. And I don't know if you know this, but people get funny around money. And if you want to see how funny people can get around money, bring a family inheritance to the People will say and do some weird things. So the man, after hearing all this, what I say is is praiseworthy stuff from Jesus about our life being valuable to God, man raises his hand and says, but I got money problems. And what he meant is he had an older brother that wasn't giving out the inheritance the way that he thought he should. And you have to love Jesus' response because what he does is he shifts that man's focus on his brother's greed, maybe, or injustice back to himself. And what he does is he's, he's wanting to, I think, to show the man what's wrong with you, though. And we all love to do that, right? We all love to admit when we're wrong, don't we? We sure do. Now, maybe part of why Jesus does this is because the man clearly wasn't listening to anything he just said. Any of you teachers know what I'm talking about? Right? You lead your class and you give your students a lesson or whatever and you know, you're talking about a, ABCs and somebody wants to know what's green plus yellow. Like, what? Are you even listening to me? So maybe Jesus gives this because clearly this man wasn't listening to what he was saying. And I think this incident is a great reminder to all of us that we can be just like that man. That God wants to show us the keys to the kingdom. God wants to show us how to live in the abundant life that's been promised to us. That God wants to show us so much about who he is and so much about the depth of his love. But we are so distracted by what's important to us. Our money problems or what other, whatever other kind of issues we have in our And so Jesus, he doesn't answer the man's question. He doesn't say, well, I got the answer for you. This is what you do. He says, 
Let me tell you a parable. And the parable is about a man who has land, a rich man who has land that has produced so much that he doesn't know what to do with all of the crops. So much that he can't find a place to store his crops. So what does he do? He builds more, right? Bigger and better. But pay attention, he doesn't just build new barns. Jesus says he tears down the ones he already has. And then he builds newer and bigger barns. Tears down what's already been good for him, what's already been a blessing for him. Gets rid of that so we can have something bigger and better. Now, I want you to pay attention to the picture that Jesus just drew for us. What do we know about this man? I think we know three things. What are those three things we know about him? One, we know he's rich. Sometimes we don't pay attention to that, but Jesus says there was a rich man. What else do we know about him? He doesn't share. Now, see, you're drawing conclusions about him, about what you see, but, but, but what do we know about his situation? His land produced so much that he has no place to put everything that's come out. What's the third thing we know about him? Well, we can, we can draw that conclusion, right? But what's something we know definitely about him? You know what he was? He was a fool. You know why? Because God called him a fool. Now, I'm going to give you a gospel truth. If God calls you a fool, guess what you are? So we know he's a rich man. We know his, his grew so much and have anywhere to put him. And we know he's a fool because Jesus said, God told him, you fool. So let me ask you a question quickly. What do you think this man would have done if his land kept producing abundantly the way it had been? What do you think he would have done later? Don't you think he's probably done the same thing? he would have torn down the newer and the bigger barns to put up even newer and even bigger barns. And it kind of feels like what Jesus is saying is, it's a foolish thing to do. Let me ask you a, ask you a funny question. Do any of us live in much bigger houses we grew up in? Have you, ever, have you ever thought about the size of our garages these days? We haven't made our garages smaller, have we? I wonder what Jesus would tell us today. Now, Jesus, excuse me, the, the man in the parable, if, if I agree with you, I feel like if his land would have kept producing more and producing more, he would have torn down his new barn so that he can build even newer, even bigger ones. And what it seems like you could ask the question, would he have done that because he was rich? Would he have done that because his land produced abundantly? Or would he have done that because he was a fool? It seems like Jesus says he would have done that because he's a fool. And I think this is a message of Jesus that we would much rather ignore. Or if we did hear it, we would say, well, it's one of those messages that Jesus means for other people. Guess what? 
You're somebody else's other. We are all other people to other people. Y'all with me? And we might be a little more foolish than we would like to admit. Now, I think there are two ways that can keep us from being foolish. Two things that we can see working in the story. Two things I think if you'll leave with you, uh, you'll be on the right way to make sure that you're not this kind of fool. And the first way is to remember what Jesus said. Before he told the parable, he told us this. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Be on guard. Be on guard. That's, that's almost a military term, isn't it? Be on guard against all kinds of greeds. Now, I think that means he thought the man in the parable was greedy. And I also think it means that he's telling us if we're not careful, we can be a little greedy too. On guard. On guard against all kinds of greed. Maybe we should take a moment or two to think about the different kinds of greed. I think John Wesley can teach us something important about the second thing that we should do. John Wesley, as most of you know, uh, the founder of our Methodist movement, uh, our Methodist understanding of, of living out our Christian faith. And, and one thing we know about John Wesley's life, when he was young, uh, his family was very poor. Right? His father was a preacher, and, um, you know, preachers, <laughs> he, uh, he, he, his father not only didn't make a lot of money, his father was taken to jail once because he couldn't pay his debt, so he grew up very poor. But as John Wesley began to teach and as John Wesley went to different universities, he was able to make you know, pretty good coin for himself. Right? It's said that at one point he's making, starting out about 28, 30 pounds, which I, if I'm guesstimating right, if I've been told right, it's about $60 a year. doesn't seem like a lot to us, but take yourself back a couple hundred years. And as Wesley still taught and was able to... to, to um, uh, speak at different places. He started writing more. He started getting money from all these different things that he's doing. And his, his income grew. At one point, he's making 1,400 pounds a year, which for a single person in the 17th century, not too shabby. Now, I want you to think about if, if you got that kind of pay raise, what would you do with all that money? Your car would probably get bigger, right? You'd probably find the house with the extra room you were looking for. That's kind of how we're conditioned if we're not careful. But here's what John Wesley did. Actually, he tells a story. It happened just one day. He's there at his house, and one of the maidservants came, and he noticed that when she came to, to do her work, she had on... Um, it wasn't shoes. I forget what it was, but she didn't have any shoes to do her work. It's cold, and her her feet are suffering, and he felt like God convicting him. Like, here I am. I have all of this wealth. I have all this comfort. And the person right in front of me is next to nothing. And the awesome thing about what he did is that he determined how much he could live um, for a year. And he determined it was either 28 or 30 pounds a year. He felt like that would be enough for him to have everything that he needed to live his life. 
And at any time he made more than that, which sometimes he made up to 1,400 pounds. You know what he did with the difference between 30 and 1,400? He gave it away. He gave it to poor people. He gave it to widows. He, he, he used it to start orphanages. He used it to do God's work. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I don't know that we can all do that the way he did. He was a single guy. He didn't have three kids who, who were already you know, starting school and they got to sell cheesecake and T-shirts and everything else. <laughs> Lord, help us. <laughs> Calendars and keychains. Lord, when does it end? <laughs> Girl Scout cookies? Well, now, let's calm down, bro, because... he did was, well, I think something that we can do, no matter where we are in our, our, our life, no matter how much we think we're making, and what he did in a way that we can do what Jesus said to be on guard is to define what enough is. There's one thing about our culture. Enough is never enough. But I think what Jesus is showing us is we have to figure out what enough is. Now, your enough might be different than John Wesley's enough. Your enough might be different from my enough. Your enough of what you need to live might be different than the person sitting next to you in church. But here's what I think we need to realize. If we don't define what enough is, we'll never have it. And we'll always be chasing more. Because we've never said, this is enough for what I need. This is, God's given me enough that I need. If we never define what that is, probably what's going to happen is we'll push enough down and we'll keep climbing for more and more. And by the time you know it, we've got houses full of stuff that we've used one time. Instead of finding a way to be rich towards God. That's what Jesus was talking about. And I think one of the things that we understand is when we can figure out, once we know what enough is, we can be generous in ways that we didn't know were possible. But we've got to be willing to say, God, this is enough. And I know you've given this to me. You see, sisters and brothers, generosity is not all about what you give. It's why you give. Generosity is not about us holding on to the things that we're scared are going to be taken from us. Our life is not about the abundance of stuff we have. That's what Jesus said. Our life is about the gift that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. What else in your life can compare to that gift? If we come up with any answer, then we don't understand the gift that's been given to us. God has been so gracious to us. God has provided for our need. And so that we can now be rich toward God. That's what generosity is. It's my willingness to be generous to you. One, because I know that's what God wants me to do. Two, because I also know God's taking care of me. I trust God that I have enough of what I need. I trust God that what I need, God is going to provide. I'm not worried that if I give my above enough away, that I'm not going to have what I need. So, generosity 
is tied to our trust in God. And I know in churches, I've heard it, every church we've been a part of, oh, well, money and giving, it's a necessary evil. Says who? It's not. Generosity is a joyful response to the great love of God. Do you think Jesus was generous? Do you think he complained about being generous? So if Jesus can be generous, guess what we can be too? You see how we are? Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen.